Welcome to today's episode of Behind the Dish Softball with your hosts, Ashley Rowley, Shelby Babcock, and Dr. Allie Dake. If you haven't done so, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. And be sure to follow us on social media at Behind the Dish SB. Again, on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at Behind the Dish SB. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Dish Softball Podcast. I'm Allie Dake, along with Shelby Babcock and Ashley Rowley. And we what are- up? Hi! <laughs> <laughs> we are here continuing our conversation this month with Team Madness. Ashley, can you introduce us to our amazing guest? I would be honored. Today's conversation is surrounding sports performance, and, and essentially the conversation is keep going. Right. So we come off of um, a good off season workout program and we start whether those of you are going into high school ball or you're starting up your comp schedule. What do you do with that sports performance? So we have none other than the Lauren Page LP, as we call her, or L9, as I like to refer her, because my daughter still she mixes up her P's a little bit. She writes them backwards. And so she'll write LP some love notes and it comes out L9. So I'm going to call her L9 for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren Page is uh, the queen of sports performance in my mind. LP played softball at the University of Northern Colorado for four years as a pitcher and a power hitter. She has a bachelor's of science degree in exercise science. She has a minor in nutrition and she has a master's degree in sport coaching. She has trained and worked with uh, Lauren Landau. Those of you who don't know uh, Coach Landau, he, he's he been, gosh, he's trained Olympians, some of the best of the best professional and amateur athletes in our game that are from state of Colorado. And he has also been strength and conditioning coach for the Denver Broncos for many years. Uh, Lauren is the, stra- the director of strength and conditioning at Colorado Softball Academy. She works with all of our teams. She works with members in a one-on-one basis, and she she works with athletes, you know, age five through our games and our functional fitness program, all the way through our elite athletes that are playing in college. I can guarantee you, friends, that you will not find anyone more passionate about the game of softball, more knowledgeable about the history of softball, and <laughs> someone more passionate uh, about sports performance. So LP, welcome to the Behind the Dish podcast. Thank you for being here with us today. Welcome, welcome, LP. Yes. So today's conversation, as I mentioned, is, is we're going to talk about what does your sports performance program or your training look like now that you're going into season, whether it's high school or whether it's comp, right? We look at our teams. Um, you put together an incredible off-season sports performance program from them that really began that first week in December. And they have been working hard through your program cycles. Now we're in that early March and our teams are starting to hit uh, the field a little bit. So I want to hear about your background. Well, not just me. Everyone wants to hear your background and and why you got interested in sports performance. And then we want to hear you talk about what should this next cycle of sports performance look like as you get rolling into season. So if you could start us off, tell us a little bit about your background, what attracted you to sports performance, why you feel it's so important, and, and really why you chose to dedicate your career to that area. Yeah. So, you know, I started playing softball when I was four um, and started playing comp ball when I was eight. And working through that, you know, I, my dad played uh, college football at UCLA. So he introduced me to a lot of like what work ethic looks like and what things, you know, go into to being a high level athlete. 
Um, and then as I got older, he was really good about figuring out who the best people were to work with me to go and re refer out to. He never was like the one that felt like he had to be in control of all of my stuff. He was just very good at researching and vetting out people who he thought would be the best fit to be able to help me in my career. And he was really good at that because those coaches he found, I stayed with for a really, really long time. Um, so when I was around 15, he saw an article about Lauren Landau in the newspaper. And I was like changing teams from my team that I played for when I was younger to, you know, a, a little bit more like recruiting based team. I really knew I wanted to play in college. And he was like, oh, we need to get you a little stronger, a little faster, that kind of stuff. And uh, it was when the NFL was in the lockout and Lauren had been training the um, the Broncos players during the lockout and they made a, um, a news article about him that my dad came across. And so he just like, cold called them and was like, Hey, I have a 15 year old softball player. Do you work with young athletes? Um, and he was like, yeah, he was uh, working with Stedman Hawkins at the time where he had developed some really good ACL rehab protocols. Um, and we were in this little office building in Stedman Hawkins and we would run in the hallways and we had like one squat rack. And, uh, I ended up training with Olympic gold medalist, Missy Franklin, which was really neat. She had just come off of, uh, her Olympics where she had won like a bunch of gold medals and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I went from, I was, you know, things were a little bit different back then as far as opportunities to hit home runs or whatever as kids. So I didn't hit my first home run until I was in high school ball. And I was like, man, I need, I want to get stronger. I love this. I want to hit more, more home runs. And I started just training with him in the off season. And just by doing that, I went from one home run to eight. And I was like, okay, what would happen then if I did this all year, not just when I was in the off season? And I went from eight to 15. And then I continued on that, got my scholarship. My last year comp ball went from, you know, 15 to 20. And then by the time I was in, in college, you know, I got to walk in as a freshman and I knew everything that was going on in the weight room. And I got a lift with in groups with seniors that really knew what they were doing and were getting strong and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I was like, man, this is so cool. And Lauren would have interns coming in and I would ask them questions. And I was like, what was on your quiz today? What did you learn today? You know, blah, blah, blah. Cause I would look at him and I was like, you know, I'm going to intern for you one day. And he was like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, no, nah, like I'm getting all the answers now. I'm going to pass all your quizzes when I intern <laughs> for you. And then I'm going to work there. And that's what I did. I got, I finished my degree and went into my internship, got to work with a lot of MMA fighters and, um, NFL athletes and high level, you know, all kinds of sports, soccer, swimming, softball, high school, youth, whatever. And it was just really cool to see, um, what that consistent work that these high level athletes were putting in was doing for them. Um, and then also from like a mental perspective of, I, I didn't have the best high school experience socially. And so to get to go to a space where I felt really accepted and really strong and like hyped up and like I belonged and get to do hard things and work on things and get pushed in a healthy way was something that was really important for me. So to get to go into that, I'm really passionate about girls getting to, okay, how do I, obviously I'm going to get physical benefit from going and lifting and running and conditioning and getting faster and stronger and more powerful. But then what does that 
confidence development look like of, man, I can do things that are really hard. I can, you know, kind of stare down this thing that's difficult and maybe a little bit scary and, you know, have people in my corner that are like, I'm giving you this because I know that you can do it. And even if you fail it the first time, we're going to try it again. And then we're going to try it again. And we're going to try it again. And you're going to go in and get through all these really difficult hurdles and get to come back and be like, oh my gosh, I just like did that awesome thing. And I feel so strong and so good about myself. And like, I have community um, that's supporting me in that like really difficult moment. And then specifically with sport, you get to bring that on the field. Um, oh, it's funny you say that. I mean, I often refer to the mental performance <clears throat> as the secret sauce, but then I say the magic happens in the weight room because that's where you learn grit. That's where you learn how to grind. That's when you learn how to break down barriers is working through those workouts. And in those moments, when you feel like you can't go anymore, whether it's one more conditioning rep, or you're trying to push out that last rep on a back squat or a clean, that's when you learn that element of grit and life and in the game. So I love that. Yeah. I think that's all really cool. Especially like I, I like failure in the weight room. I like when kids fail reps. I like when kids miss cleans and, and can't get a weight up and you have to grab their spot or whatever. And then the next week you give them that weight again and they're like, they lift it and they're just like, mm -hmm. Oh, and it's like, ah, it's almost like when you, you know, push yourself to that limit Mm -hmm. improve and then you get stronger and you're able to to carry more and you get that progressive overload where you're like just hitting that threshold of okay can't do it this week but let's try again next week and and see what happens and especially in softball it's like okay so you failed your first at bat like same as when you failed the clean the first time and you hop in again and you go and and make a small adjustment and you take your moment and you take your rest and you step up to the bar again, you try again and, and you get it up. And same thing, you come up your second time and you're at bat and you stare the pitcher down and you're like, you know, no, I'm going to get you this time. I made my adjustment and you go and put that hit out there. And they're able to have that, that buffering system be a little bit better when it comes to recovering from, from failure, when they've had those experience of doing really hard things and maybe failing at them and then coming back and still having the courage to try again. Mm -hmm. I remember that reminds me, I was just kind of envisioning <clears throat> flashbacks. My freshman year at UF, I had a really, really big, could have been career ending knee surgery. And we had just come back from uh, Christmas break. And so we had our winter workouts. And every time you come back, you have conditioning tests, right? Anytime in college, when you come back from a break, you so have fun. conditioning tests. Yay. Yay. No and we had to run. Uh, what were we running? I think it was a, I think it was a mile. We used to do a mile and a half, but then they cut it down was one of the tests. And I had just gotten released from the, from my knee surgery. So I hadn't really trained for it. Right. I was released to start running, but not necessarily like, have I been running miles? And so we get there It's 6am we're on the track. It's dark. And I looked at our athletic trainer and he goes, give it a shot. Just see how you do. Right. There were no expectations. Like, just see how you do. And I was like, cool. And I got on the line with my teammates and I made it under time. I think I'd probably run the fastest mile. And I remember that feeling of elation after that workout was done. And the fact that I did it and that confidence, it brought me that keep in mind, I'm in Florida. Okay. It's like 7am. And I called my parents who were in Arizona three hours ahead. So it was like four. And I was so excited to tell them that my mom's like, great. Can we talk about this in like four hours? But this, the confidence and the feeling of accomplishing that task 
did so much for me. Yeah, I love that. And so, you know, when we look at how we're progressing our athletes, right, to get to that next question, you know, one thing that I think a lot of people make a general mistake about is they're so worried about getting kids to the next level that they don't prepare them to handle actually being at that next level. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I look through my programs, like I want to allow the girls to be in an environment where that once they make that transition into that next level, it's really seamless for them. They know how to max test. They know how to pass a conditioning test. They know how to run really difficult conditioning. They know how to read a workout. They know how to do weights math. They know what all the exercises are called and how to perform them properly. They know how to read an actual workout sheet and work through their workout, right? And I think that that's something that gets really overlooked as we go into that transition, right? Of like, you know, how do we make sure that once they step in that weight room, once they step into that conditioning test, once they have to do that really hard thing, that that's just who they are. That's what they do. They know exactly how to handle it. And it's going to make that transition way more seamless for them. So when I look at my, you know, big year round structure, right. I, I plan out my segments accordingly based on where they're at in season. And when you're a college athlete, like you train all year, you train in season, you train right after season, you train in the off season, you train when you're home from break, you train, you know, two days after you get back from a four day trip, um, you have to continue that all year round or, or you're going to get beat, beat out by somebody else, whether it's your opponent across the field or your, your competition within your team. And so everything, the goal of everything is to build upon each other. So what I was telling the girls in our off season training is obviously we want to go through this to be in shape for season. So we went through a big endurance block where we looked at muscular endurance as well as um, our cardiovascular endurance. And we want to be able to sit there in, in game seven or eight of the weekend and, and be just as good as we were game one. Obviously that's a big goal. But as I look at just their pro progress in the weight room, I need to make sure that they can handle load as we go and work into different parts of our cycle. So like if I'm going to go and work speed training, and they're not in shape enough to run repeat sprints, I can't go and correct their sprint technique, mm -hmm. right? If they don't know how to work through time under tension with maybe a lighter weight tempo squat, I can't expect them to work through time over tension with a big weight that they're moving slowly, right? If, so I want them to get used to moving weights at different tempos, get used to doing a lot of reps, get used to handling a lot of volume. We've now transitioned, we're at the tail end of our first strength cycle. So they're learning some new exercises for the first time. We've learned how to front squat. We've learned some hinge patterns. Um, we've started heavier uh, dumbbell pressing, you know, all of that good stuff. And it's really interesting how quickly they're able to handle those new exercises and start adding load um, because they had that base uh, from off season. Mm -hmm. They're able to maintain technique for a really long time in really difficult situations, which I think is really neat to see. We're having some athletes transition to um, power cleans um, or more, you know, explosive movements and be able to like know what a hundred percent really is and be able mm -hmm. to push themselves that way. So I think there's a big, um, I guess, misperception that 
strength and conditioning or sports performance as an off season thing. And you see a lot of teams stop. So they'll do it for six weeks and then they'll say, okay, we're getting into season now. And they completely stop those movements. So two questions for you, an off season strength and conditioning program, how much time does it take for those athletes to really reap the benefits like, what is the duration you would suggest for that off season? And then once you transition, so, okay, tournaments are starting up and you see a lot of teams or you see a lot of athletes just stop that because now it's time to play. Right. So talk us through those two things. How much time do you think an off season workout or teams or athletes should allocate to really see the benefits of the work they put in, in the off season? And then what does that transition look like into regular season? Yeah. So I think you know, obviously a lot of it depends on the coach's programming, um, and like what they're putting into, like, are they, um, are they working through a linear progression or an undulating progression? You know, how are they going? What's their goal? Right. So when I work through mine, right, I like to use different goals for the different workouts. And so when you're looking at an adaptation, I always like to look at six to eight weeks per adaptation that I'm trying to obtain. Um, then as you go through, you can go in and work into a different adaptation from there for another six to eight weeks um, and, and work through those cycles of, of blocking in that way. And they build on each other. So it's not like you're going to completely lose everything as long as you go into the next block and you're, you're still consistent. Um but I, I agree that the biggest mistake is, you know, they'll cut their training cold Turkey as soon as game one starts. And again, in college, as you guys know, like that's not how it works. Now your frequency may decrease a little bit. Um, and your volume might decrease a little bit, right. Based on the load that you're carrying on game weekends. And also like, there's only so much time, like I said, in college, you're going through and you're, you're on a four day trip. You're traveling Thursday through Sunday, right. So how do you get frequency, right? With still being able to have recovery. So, you know, that's where you'll look at like a two day a week frequency to continue through, you know, um, that cycle. But as we train, right, we're always going to, the goal is to trend upward over time. And so we want to limit the drops in performance as much as possible. So we're going to have a really steep build in our off season. That's why we push them really hard. And in our off season, we emphasize that a lot. And then we're going to start to level out and we're going to try and maintain that as we're in season, right? Then we're going to go and we've maybe maintained or limited the drop as much as we can. And then we're going to have another big increase because we're back in off season again. And then we're gonna so it kind of looks like a stair step, right? So you're coming up. Yep. You kind of flatten out the maintenance. I like to refer to it as maintenance. Yep. So kind of educate um, some of our coaches and parents and athletes that are listening on why that maintenance cycle is so important because we know teams, when they put together their player fees and their budgeting, a lot of times they'll budget for that off season, but talk about the importance of that maintenance cycle. Yeah, it's super important because otherwise you're, you know, I always say like, you're pretty much, you're getting better, you're getting worse, right? And your, your body is, is very hard to keep at one consistent level, right? And it really only takes about two weeks to start losing uh, your adaptations that you've created in your last cycle. And so when you look at, you know, a four month playing season or a five month playing season, that obviously goes and well eclipses that, that two week threshold of being able to keep your gains. Right. And so when we're, 
we're going through those progressions, right? Our goal is to keep the valleys as small as possible. So if we're always every year just going like this and we're like off season, in season, off season, in season, off season, in season, then really we're just staying the same, right? We're just like putting in the same amount of payment as we're taking out, right? Like you're you're not going to ever increase money in your bank account if you just put a bunch of money in for three months and then you spend all of it in three months, you're still going to end up net zero. Right. And so when we're rolling through this, like we can't just keep going like this and expect to progress year after year. We need to look at that long-term development of like, okay, how do I look stronger, better, faster at this date this year than, than I did at this date last year. Right. And so for and those those listening, not watching, when she, LP says go like this, she's really referring to that peaks and valleys, right? You climb a mountain, you come back down versus that stair-step model of climb, flatten out, climb, flatten out, climb, flatten out, which is ideally what you want to see in your sports performance cycle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you want to really limit those valleys. So Very LP, cool. can you talk a little bit about the nutrition piece of this? Because I know um, I have a funny little story. I came back for my first year um, as a freshman and we were doing the shuttle test and I went and ate a bowl of chili, oh, onions and some cheese. Oh, goodness. and I you went and ran my twice, shuttle didn't you? You and I, oh, I passed it, but it wasn't, I wasn't feeling too hot, but um, I didn't, I didn't get the, you know, the feedback or I wasn't taught really like nutrition going in. Um, I did the personal training. I did that, but I wish I would have had that piece with it um, to learn. And I'm still learning how to eat properly right now at 31 years old. I just would have, I wish I would have learned earlier on. So can you speak on that a little bit? I mean, at the end of the day, you have to fuel the machine, right? And so you can't expect your body to continue receiving this load and making adaptations if you're not giving it the fuel to do so. Right. And so when you're looking at structuring nutrition, I think the biggest mistake kids make or, or young athletes make high school collegiate age athletes is they're taking advice from mainstream media mm -hmm. that is for non-athlete people. Mm -hmm. And so these kids and, and young athletes end up under consuming in a lot of ways. You know, these, these girls are, are going out and they're putting in, you know, four five, six hours a day of training and they're being told on their social media app to eat 1200 calories and, you know, everything that is being fed to them, to them is based on aesthetic goals and not performance goals. Right. Nailed it. Yeah. And they Nailed need to it. understand that like their life is just different than the general population and, and it's okay. And it's good. hundred percent. And their purpose needs to be to fuel their performance. Right. And otherwise they're just wasting their time. Hmm. And when you're going through and looking at, okay, what do we need? We need to feed the muscle with protein. We need a lot of protein in our diet to be able to repair ourselves quickly um, and have the building blocks necessary. Because if, if you have a lot of muscle and your body's being underfed, it's going to say, man, all this muscle is really quote unquote unnecessary. I don't need to lift 200 pounds to survive. And so it's going to say, mm, I'm expending a lot of energy. I'm going to pull from, from my muscle. And that's where now you start to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think honestly, a lot of injuries from come from overtraining and under consuming. Absolutely. Right? 
And especially for girls, I, I think there's a statistic that's like 85% of collegiate female athletes, maybe even higher, um, exhibit disordered eating patterns. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really sad and really interesting because they're just being fed a lot on social media and being told that it's truth. And so looking at what they need, like they don't need to go and eat a hundred percent clean, right? They need to get quick, quick carbs for their workout. You'll come into my office and you'll see things like Rice Krispie treats or goldfish or, you know, whatever things that are really quick carbs for them. Partaking part of that. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm, I'm also LP. We're just going to put a tip jar for your snack box. <laughs> I have an athlete who she does yesterday. She is growing and she's, she just turned 13. She does a catching a tough catching workout. Then she hits. And I can see when she tanks about a quarter of the way into her hitting workout and I tell her, I say, all right, kid, go raid LP stash. And last night she came back with one of each. She had four different snacks that she ate throughout her hitting workout, but she needed it. I started to see her lift up and she started responding and she had the energy she needed. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And so like I'll have girls that'll just in the middle of the workout be like, I need something. And I'm like, just go like, go. go grab whatever you need. And we have athletes that are here at our facility for four or five hours. Mm -hmm. And to expect them to go and endure that without an, an increase in fuel is just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And so I really try and encourage them to go and, and grab those quick carbs that are commonly demonized, right? Like I'm, over, I'm sitting over there as a nutrition, you know, specialist and, and sport performance coach being like, go grab a rice crispy treat. Right. Right. <laughs> and the mainstream media is like, oh, sugar, like why, and that's not healthy or whatever. And it's like, dude, they need quick carb source to be able to go and like shuttle energy into their muscle to be able to perform. Mm -hmm. Like it's not go grab a rice krispie treat. They need a hundred calories. Like let's go. Yeah. Really quick and really easy. And it's easy. Not on a bowl of chili. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a bowl of chili. Bowl of chili with cheese and you know, sour cream and onions. Not that. <laughs> 100%. So, so really LP, I mean, I know that I experienced this in college, but the sports performance at sports performance aspect, words are hard, goes hand in hand with nutrition. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about the weight room, you talk about conditioning, you talk about your lifts and your programming, that sister that's married to that has to be nutrition. Yeah. Really good friend of mine in college, um, her senior year, uh, all American rock star. Uh, she started to cut carbs mm -hmm. and she tore her bicep mid pitch ended her career because her muscles were not fueled properly to handle the load that she was putting on it. They were, she couldn't perform there. The expectations on her body couldn't handle mm -hmm. because of a lack of, of calories. Yeah. And you know, your recovery is going to be just like really horrible. And so when we're, we're talking about to training throughout season, like if you're not fueling yourself, you're not going to be able to recover week to week to be able to, you know, maintain schedule. And like I said, I, a lot of it is, you know, they're being fed that like the only purpose behind looking after you, your nutrition is losing weight. Mm -hmm. That's what young girls are being fed. Every single piece of nutrition advice that they're given is based around losing weight. Yeah. And so they're, they're being fed this so constantly and that they, they have to keep in mind and be encouraged. Like you are not part, like you're not a, a first of all, you're not an adult. So like your energy needs are way higher and you're building things really, really quickly. Your muscles making adaptation really quickly because your training age is low and 
like you're, you have a really high metabolism, your body is doing what it needs to do to be able to perform. And such a, a cool thing about softball, particularly is that like so many different body types from the littlest kid on the field, that's sub five foot to a, someone who's six foot two and, you know, over 200 pounds can be equally successful in our sport. And so to try and fit this one aesthetic mold, I think is really dangerous. And, you know, I had, I had a kiddo ask me just point blank in in workouts one day, she's like, LP, how many, how many calories do you think we should be eating? And I said, honestly, if you're under 3000, you're probably under fueling. And they're sitting there like, what? Like their eyes, everyone's eyes were like, cause they're being told that the only purpose of nutrition is losing weight. And like, well, that and everything's not be a thought for these kids. It in, shouldn't, in the one, right like it, it breaks my heart that number one, they're counting calories right? as kids and teenagers. And then everything is so based off of this 2000 calorie per day diet on average. Right. And so people start getting that in their mind. God, I, I was kidding around with, uh, we were talking about different restaurant chains in different areas of the country. Right. And down in the South and the East side, there's Moe's, which is, is like a Qdoba Chipotle concept. But in, in my humble opinion, it is so much better. <laughs> there were days I ate Moe's three times. And I, I mean, we're taught to eat five meals a day, right? Breakfast, mm-hmm. snack, lunch, snack, dinner. And maybe you, depending on your day, you have a, another snack because I mean, gosh, dang, I put, I mean, I graduated high school at 135. Guess what? I wasn't strong. Hence the reason I had so many knee issues because there was zero knowledge and training for female athletes when I was in high school. I mean, I had an older brother I compete with, but the only really programs there were, okay, uh, strength and conditioning in high school. And our strength and conditioning coach was a power lifter and he worked with football players. So they're hey, it's probably doing a bunch of, coach. oh yeah, doing a bunch of overhead lifts and just garbage. That's not right for, for me. Right. And so I graduated at 135 and at Christmas. Okay. So I graduated in May when I came back for Christmas, I weighed 160 but I was like 12 to 13% body fat. I was lean and I was strong and it was all muscle. They put on me that for that first semester in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Right. So now as an athlete, and I think one of the biggest things as an athlete, you have to understand when it comes to body type and body image is one strong is beautiful and LP you embody that concept. So thank you for that. But two, once you're an athlete, you're always an athlete, mm-hmm. right? For the rest of my life, my goal is to try and stay around that 180 number. I'll never go underneath that. Why? Because I'm strong. Mm-hmm. I have muscle, right? My body's done really, really cool things. But everyone's like, oh my God, 180. And I'm like, heck yeah. And I'm proud of that. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and like I said, they're just being fed that the only purpose between training and, and nutrition is to lose weight. And so they're always being fed be in a calorie deficit, be, you know, whatever they need to be in a surplus surplus. You want to build muscle. You need to eat more than mm-hmm. you're expending. Yep. You want your muscles to grow and you want to get stronger. You stronger, need to faster. Eat more and your body is so smart, mm-hmm. so smart. And so if your body is sitting there saying that, like, Hey, I need to eat Moe's and eat, you know, a, a meal that has probably 60 to 70 grams of protein three times today, it probably needs that. If it needs 
that rice, the carbs to go and be quick, right? Your body is going to tell you what it needs. I if love a good Moe's home wrecker steak burrito. Yes. 100%. If that's what you need, your body's going to tell you that. So listen, your body is so smart and you're putting in so much work. Every I see these kids coming in every single day and just working their butt off. And to think that like, that honestly may be a wasted hour because they're doing something as simple to do as not, not fueling correctly is really Mm -hmm. hard to swallow. And they're like, why am I not progressing? Why am I not getting faster? Whatever. It's like, well, you're eating a hundred grams of carbs and 1200 calories and you're burning probably 4,000 calories a day and like trying to build muscle. And you're like, why am I always hurting? Why am I recovering slowly? Why am I always tired? I have kids coming in here that are drinking like three Celsius's a day to get through their day, Mm. right? There's no reason that these kids should need caffeine to get through their day, right? Mm -hmm. And they're doing that because they're they're just not eating enough. They don't understand what that is. I watch them come in from after being off, you know, out doing multi-sports right now. Some of them doing lacrosse or softball or soccer, and they're doing some other high school sports. And then they come into practice, they come and work out, and they sit in front of me, and all of a sudden they just like, there's no gas in it. And they're yeah, like, the crash. I'm so tired. They lay in the beanbag in my office and they're almost out. And, and they say, oh, I feel dizzy. I feel lightheaded. I'm like, all right, we need food. We need energy. We can't even talk or think properly right now. And a couple of them, they're like, yeah, I'm tired. I'll just leave when I get home. I'm like, no, you're not driving in this state. They don't understand um, that how important that food is to keep, to not, not to sustain them, to like make them thrive, right? Mm-hmm. And what yep. I have found works is sometimes, especially when we're sitting there one-on-one, they don't want to eat if they're the only one eating. So I eat with them. <laughs> <laughs> I've got carrots. Like I have got really good nutrition stuff because I could grab the chips and salsa and the mm-hmm. chips and anything they're eating too, right? And, right. And, but it opens up a great conversation, right? Yeah. So I have just like you have know, plethora of stuff in the office because they, they're showing up um, unfueled. Until yep. they're doing yep. just used, expended at all. So yeah. I love LP and I spend time talking about that mental piece and that sports performance piece and that nutrition is really the hub for her and I a lot in our conversations and always talking about the nutrition and the food. Yeah. Like what snacks should we be eating here right now? You know, we're always like asking, what other snacks do we like? What do you want to eat? What do you want? <laughs> yeah. Well, our team meetings, it's like we have our little snack pile in the, in the middle <laughs> We're going low. We need to just grab something from the middle. <laughs> right. You know, you know, you're in a building with former athletes when there are snacks all the time. Oh. Right. All the time. <laughs> yeah. I well, think, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I think, you know, as they, I'm hoping that it, it decreases this like stigma of food. And, and when I go and talk to kids about nutrition, I try and keep it pretty simple. I'm like, when you sit down to eat, have some protein, have a plant. And outside of that, eat whatever you enjoy. You know, if you have a protein in a plant, like you're probably sitting pretty good. You're probably better than 90% of people if you have a protein in a plant. And outside of that, like, eat what you want. Enjoy going to Chick-fil-A with your friends. Enjoy like grabbing a sushi roll on a Friday night. Oh, like, stop. Yeah. All that good stuff. And where this becomes, in my opinion, super important too, that is not ever lost on me is that these girls are going to hit age 22 hmm. or sooner, and they're not going to play softball anymore. 
And when it comes to nutrition and exercise, this is a lifelong thing. It is. And to be able to put them on a, a course where they are set up for lifelong success and that they don't look at exercise as punishment. They don't look at food as enemy number one, and they can go in and live the rest of their life in a way that is balanced, where they find ways that they enjoy moving their body, where they do things because they care about themselves, not because they hate themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And they can go and have the right mindset. I want like all these girls to get to walk into a gym and know exactly what they're doing to get to feel like they can have that space and to know how to work out correctly where they're not, you know, punishing themselves on the stairmaster for an hour because they want to be skinny mm -hmm. and whatever the case might be as they go in, and progress in their life that they think that being strong and treating their body the right way is coveted to them. And they do things because they love themselves, not because they hate themselves. I'm going to feel myself this way because I love myself and I want to be able to do X, Y, Z. I want to be able to go on a hike with my friends. I want to be able to play with my kids one day and carry my kids around and go take them out to practice or, or whatever. I want to be able to, you know, ride bikes with my kids or go do things with my significant other that are active or whatever, and be able to live your life with ease and enjoyment. And mm -hmm. that's why you enjoy moving your body or fueling yourself well. And not because, you know, people go because they, they hate themselves and they do it to punish themselves. And it's a really unhealthy relationship. So hopefully as we put these girls through this, they see, you know, the, the only purpose of going into the gym is not to have a bigger booty or to like have a smaller waist or whatever the case is. And they're going in so that they can, you know, feel accomplished and feel strong and feel like they can do hard things and that they're resilient and that they have self-love and that their body is amazing and is just their, their vessel for carrying their personality and their, you know, internal traits out into the world to be able to, to do great things. Um, and I really want girls to feel that way for the rest of their life and be able to overcome the culture that we're in of working out and eating is just for aesthetics. Yeah. LP, you're amazing. You're amazing at what you do, your knowledge uh, behind your programming, your passion for these kids and these young ladies uh, and the growth that we're seeing as our CSA athletes hit the field is uh, unparalleled. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being who you are. I encourage, uh, you know, coaches, as you start to, to build your fall of 2023 and your 2024 seasons or your next seasons, whatever those look like, I encourage you to, to add budgeting for year round sports performance programming, because the, the mental performance, um, benefits and the confidence that come out of it being in the weight room, obviously the physical benefits and the nutritional, just all around healthy and strong and strong is beautiful. So, yeah. and one more comment on that, just for coaches that are interested in doing that, please do your research on who you're taking your mm -hmm. team to. They don't need to go to a CrossFit gym or to someone that's their only goal is to make them puke every time or whatever the case is. Please look at, uh, for a few things, number one, educational degrees, collegiate degrees, right? Whether it's a bachelor's, preferably a master's in what you're doing. Look at the populations that they work with experientially. 
um, make sure that they have experience working with young females so that the girls can can feel safe in, in that space. Preferably look for someone who has a certification or some sort of continuing education, such as a CSCS. Um, just make sure that you're taking them to people who are going to do things safely in a qualified way that have the long-term development of the athlete in mind. It's really easy to vet out people who, I always say, anyone can scream at you and make, make you throw up. It's really not difficult to do. You could pull any Joe Schmo off the street to do that. But to really have someone who has a plan um, and is interested in progressing your athletes the right way and doing it in a way that makes them feel good about themselves, not in a way that makes them dread their um, attendance, uh, I think is really important. So please just make sure to vet out really thoroughly, circling back to the beginning of the conversation, like my own dad did for me, of people who really have the credentials behind them and a lot of experience um, to, to be able to work with your athletes. Absolutely. 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 Well, my idol over there, LP, <laughs> um, loved having you on here today. I love listening to everything that you have to say all the time. Um, it's so much fun. I love collabing with you about pictures all the time. It's so much fun. So, um, but anyway, Ali, do you have anything more to say over there? Any closing remarks? I get out and shadow every time I listen to you, I learn something new and, um, and, I just always love and appreciate and so respect the intentionality that you have in everything you do, because that shows up as an integrity as well. And so thank you for um, being a rock star queen. In that, with that. Yeah, yes, queen. <laughs> yes, queen. Yeah. Yes, queen. Yes. <laughs> All right. For our listeners, as always, um, you can go on behindthedish.us to check us out and on any podcast platforms. Um, thank you for listening today. And we'll um, be with you guys shortly next week. All right. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, guys.